The Paternity Test is a comedy podcast for adults. If you're not a grown-up, get off the internet. It's a horrible place. From Illinois and New York, it's the Paternity Test. This week, Dada Whitening, Medieval Mole Removal, Big Bird Leaves Basic Cable, and Orphans That Bum Out Your Kids. And now, three guys who made it out of the Oregon standoff alive, here are the dads. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Fraternity Test. I'm Todd Jay in the Chicago suburbs. I'm Matt Barese in Chicago. And I'm Dave Engel in upstate New York. Welcome back to the podcast that looks forward to all of the nudity and violence in the new HBO Sesame Street. I saw a trailer for this and Big Bird is a total slut. <laughs> S-L-U-T. Now I know why Maria got out last year. Like promiscuous? Big Bird? Totally. Like, you finally realize what him and Snuffy were up to for the last 30 years. I'm looking forward to the Muppet Red Wedding. (laughs) (laughs) They slaughter. Yeah, almost whole family gets run through their guts. Just stuffing everywhere. I'd subscribe to HBO for that. I'm kind of upset about this because I always thought of Sesame Street as the one free kids programming you could always turn to. The outrage has been exaggerated because selling it to HBO is actually keeping it free. All that's happening is that they're going to run. They've got some extra episodes on PBS. They're going to run them for the next nine months. And after the nine-month lag, all shows that have already been shown on on HBO go straight to PBS for free. Wow. HBO is basically bankrolling this because the government keeps cutting all of PBS's money. The other thing is Sesame Street has been paid for by all its merch. All these years, which is why there's right. so much merch and movies and stuff. And they said they can actually back off on the merchandising now if they want to because they have the HBO money. So theoretically, it doesn't change. It stays free, but they get to use HBO's money to make it. Now, it does. I've seen a couple of uh, screenshots, and it looks a little more upscale. Like, it looks gentrified. They show the street. And that's <laughs> what weirded me out about Sesame Street as a kid in the country was that it was so urban and so gritty in seventies, and everybody played in the garbage? You know, it's like a rundown newsstand, chalk outlines everywhere, peep shows. Hooper's looks like a Fox and O'Bell or a Dean and DeLuca. Right, it's all, all artisanal cheeses. Right. <laughs> everyone's dressed like they're from Brooklyn, and they've got they've got salmon colored socks. And <laughs> it is interesting how we live in the richest, most powerful country in the world, and yet. Somehow, children's programming has to get bought out and then handed back for free by a cable network. Who are the most evil people in the world? Right. Uh, you know, right. made, their, made their money literally like playing to the worst angels of our nature. It's it should say something about our time and culture. <laughs> so it does. it does. Now, have you guys watched Sesame Street since your kids were born? I've watched Elmo new format. Yeah. It's oh, I hate it. My kids are way outgrowing it, but when they were much younger, so this was probably 10 years ago, or for Ellie, I guess maybe more like five years ago uh, to seven years ago, we did watch it occasionally. I don't know. I, I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with the format. I hated that it ended with Elmo. Elmo never appealed to me as a, as, as a character I wanted to watch. Well, I like him as a, you know, in small amounts, he's hilarious. You give them a 15-minute segment, and you're like, tone it down, pal. Well, that's what it was, is that you get 15 minutes of that screaming in your ear and right. and, repeat, and repeating and everything. And I understand that that's a, you know, that's a method of teaching younger kids is by repeating the same thing. You know, it's like Dora when she tells you to find the river. Find the river. Five sec- yeah. Find the river on the map. Have you found the river? Show me where the river is. Call me when you found the river. <laughs> There's a very small uh, margin between education and torture, because that is actually also how you would agonize a prisoner, right? I think right. you would. Huh? Is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? <laughs> you know you did it. Just tell us. <laughs> Listen, we know you did it. You're going to feel better when you tell us. Yeah, <laughs> it, 
Elmo's the great Elmo joins all of the ages together in terms of he gets you hooked when you're really young because a, a one-year-old can watch Elmo. You can turn off baby Einstein and turn out, turn Elmo on. You know, even if he wasn't like younger and cuter and funnier, he, uh, he's red. Like, why did it take them that long? I think they actually avoided having a red Muppet, didn't they? Didn't they think it was like going to be too much? Like it would overstimulate the children. Probably. <laughs> but you know, I think people gravitate to his redness. Now, the the child psychologists changed the show. They said that the psychedelia of the way we watched it, where everything was like three-second sni- snippets and, you know, bizarre kaleidoscopes and quarter bread, loaf of milk, stick of butter, and uh, yeah. one, two, three, four, five. And all that. I'm not sure which what was Electric Company and what was Sesame one, Street. One, two, but it three, was... four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They're probably, they're probably all apologizing now, right? Well, they said it's not – that's not right. At the time – they thought that's how kids learned in psychedelic snippets, mostly because they were <laughs> super high. And on well, their LSD. parents are on drugs. Yeah. Right. Uh, but then they decided that it should be longer chunks. So they turned the show into just four segments these last few years. Like there's a, there's a street segment, there's a, a claymation Bert and Ernie, there's Elmo's house, and there's an Abby Cadabby, who's that little flying Elmo girl, section. And that's it. So you're watching the show, and it's impossibly long, and you're like, where is everybody? And uh, Viva, we haven't even tried to watch Sesame Street, because when we tried, when she was younger, she, first of all, it's a celebrity cameo wank fest. Oh and it seems God, like they're, they're not even trying to teach you. They're just showing Andy Samberg doing shtick for 15 minutes. And she doesn't care who Andy Samberg is. Let's face it, nobody cares who Andy Samberg is. And he's just doing jokes for 15 minutes. And then Abby Kidabby for 15 minutes, so all the boys can leave the room for 15 minutes. I mean, it's really, really painful. It's really awful. First of all, yeah, like no one's going to know in two weeks who anyone is, any of the celebrities are. No one cares. The kids don't care. My kids, when they've watched it, don't know who anyone is. And, and I don't know who half the people are because I'm 40. Yeah, I feel like the producers just want to meet celebrities and celebrities. That's just all it is. Sesame Street. All it is. It's the mm-hmm. same reason why the press corps the Foreign Press Association or whatever has the Golden Globes. Oh, it has Globes. the Golden Globes, right. So they right. get their picture taken with celebrities and so that they right. can like sell copies of their magazines. Exactly. The thing about the 15-minute segments, though, it's like they should be like five-minute segments. Right. Does are, are, anyone have a, an education degree that works with Sesame Street? No kid can sit through that much Sesame Street. Like of, of Elmo, because by the way, uh, half of Elmo's segment is – Regular kids doing crap in Ugh. a public school in New York City, which mm-hmm. teachers don't want to like who teach in New York City don't want to watch clips of classrooms in New York City because it gives them PTSD. <laughs> I can't imagine that a kid would want to sit there. My kids just turn to me and say, where the hell is Elmo? Yeah. And then I fast forward it and I find it. Right. And, and then it's and then it's over. Yeah. They don't know what to do with Elmo. They know they have to fill 15 minutes. But they don't have 15 minutes of Elmo every episode to do anything with. So right, and when you're just trying to teach people what the letter H sounds like, why do you need a 15-minute narrative to do that? Don't. Yeah, these should be like, there should be five-minute segments. That's it. Done. Get Mr. Hooper in there. Bring his ghost back. Ah, get Roosevelt Franklin back, the jive Muppet in the sweat hog-like Brooklyn right. grade <laughs> school. You ever see those? Yeah. Like all the kids are throwing spitballs and like freaking out. And then Roosevelt Franklin runs in and he's like, the revolution will not be televised, my man. (laughs) (laughs) I love that even in the 70s, like if you watch somehow everyone of color was supposed to speak jive. But you look back and even in the 70s, it, it was a joke, right? I mean, I know it existed. I know it existed as like a. Yeah, it had to be really out of the nose, though, to have a Muppet come out. I think it was Gordon doing the voice, but to come out and be like, near far, my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. But even, well, what's his name? The the garbage guy. Oscar. Uh, Oscar. Oscar had a a thick New York accent when he started. If you play a clip. Roll that clip. Uh, Roll 22, Todd. (laughs) Stand by. Rush Limbaugh does that. He'll go, like, uh, play number six. Like, how do you know? He'll be like, uh, do 19. Like, <laughs> how do you know what 19? There's no, like, I know the guy's, he has to be prolific in his hate, but that's incredible. <laughs> like, uh, do, do 37, please, and then go to 22, and then 19. And then play 37 again. 
<laughs> Oscar? Oscar? Yeah? Come on out. Now, look, be a nice guy. Hmm? Some nice little girl. She's uh-huh. new to the neighborhood. Say hello yeah. to her. This is Sally. Uh, well, is that her? That's her. Yeah. Uh, hello, kid. Hi. I like you. I like you, too. Yeah, I really do. You know why? Because in the 30 seconds or so that I've known you, you've never uh, banged on the lid of my trash can. You've never asked me to come out to meet anybody or even told anybody where I live or bugged me in general. Which is more than I can say about some people I know. That's Oscar. Well, maybe not that thick, but you can hear it. They're all animals anyway. All animals come out at night. Horse, skunks, buggers, queens, fairies, dopers, junkies, sick, and all. Someday a real rain will come and wash all this scum off the streets. <laughs> Wait, when did Taxi Driver come out? Did it come out before this or after this? <laughs> I would love it if that was Two? based on Taxi Driver. <laughs> 72 is Taxi Driver. Oh, that Wait, was 69, so this? I think. I think Wait, I, Oscar was 69. Oh, taxi driver is based on Oscar. Yeah, taxi is driver it, is based on Oscar. Oscar. Is Oscar. It, <laughs> I was gonna say, is there any way Scorsese was interning at PBS <laughs> when this was being done? Hey, this is a great idea. These Muppets in the garbage cans—I can do this. And now it's time for talking to your kids about wiping. That's where we teach our kids about the power of the courtesy flush. I have two daughters who are four years old. They just turned four years old, and they're lovely uh, in every way except that I have to wipe their butts. And they always ask for me. I think I guess I do a better job than my wife. More, more thorough? I guess. I don't have a more thorough or less thorough. They don't oh, know the difference. They've... You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, because I've got, like, man hands, and I, I'm all rough, and like, any, I break everything when I touch it. That alarms me, actually, because it may be some sort of proto-sexual <laughs> action. Yeah, actually, that's... Uh, like Viva on the changing table. I mean, she doesn't get changed. She hasn't been in diapers in years now. But she, uh, uh, when she's getting like lotions and stuff before her pajamas, like when she gets moisturized and, yeah. and, and her, her toenails clipped and stuff, she requests to have her lady bits swabbed by my wife, and it's because she's enjoying it. You know, yeah. like she doesn't know that it's a sexual pleasure and it's not like she's attracted to her mother, but there is, there is a, you know, there's pleasure going on. She's like, whatever the baby version of getting off is on getting her bits swabbed. So yeah. there's a possibility that it's That's, more pleasurable to be wiped by you. I know when I'm wiped by you, I was, you know. Yeah. Well, it was college. Yeah. I, it, that bothers me. That's it's no upsetting. It's really upsetting. I mean, it's not your it's... fault, but it's upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's not my fault. I just don't I want I don't know when it's going to end cuz uh they're four and so I figured they can't go to kindergarten and you have to still have you show up to wipe them once a day. Right, but they're not going to kindergarten for another year and a half. Mhm. So a lot of wiping I, between now and then. That's a lot of wiping. Wait a minute. Well, what do they do while you're at school? Uh oh, I think my wife probably wipes oh, okay. them. Okay. But the second I'm in the house and the way, so you have to understand that they use a bathroom that is upstairs. And our house is very open now because we knocked down some walls. So you'll hear, you'll hear them go up. You know they're going to poop because you hear it. Uh, uh, and they're in there holding the sides of the toilet. Yeah. And like you know, white knuckled, you know. And they're, you know, there's like a. There's like a vein popping out in their forehead. Good to know that their digestive health is equivalent to yours. <laughs> it's like right. from their old man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's it's gotta get out of me. It's yeah. just it's evil. Um this colon has never known fiber. <laughs> Why did I do this to myself? This is what they're saying in their heads. And then they'll go, Dada, wipe me. It's not a request. And is it, in, is it simultaneous? Is it stereo like the little girls in The Shining in the hallway? No, because they, they only use that toilet. And so if, if for any reason they both have to Oh, you didn't get use, twin toilets? No, we didn't get the love toilet. No, there's only... <laughs> we have three toilets in the house, 
uh, I'm not bragging, but we've got three toilets. <laughs> and they, but they only use that one, which is fine with me because the ones that the kids who my wife watches use the one downstairs. And, you know, I just, I'd rather them not use that because there's just that much more of a chance of them getting sick. Mm-hmm. So they use their own. I don't use theirs. My wife doesn't really use theirs. So, like, it's just their own little toilet. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like, they, they, you know, when they usually go, they usually go right after they've eaten, which I guess makes some sense. But it usually is they finish before we do. So they'll jump up from the table because we're terrible parents. We don't make them sit in, you know, with their hands folded. And I'll be in the middle of eating soup or something, and I'll hear, Dada, wipe me. <laughs> and it's this whiny command. And just I put my head down, and my wife starts laughing at me because she's been doing it all day, and now it's my turn. Whiny commands are really, are indeed the worst. The worst. And they are always timed when you are at the most, like, beleaguered and stressed, and then the, the whine comes out, and it is, it is aggravating. The other thing, as I was sitting there, because sometimes I'll, I'll walk, I'll walk by and I see the grunt and I'm like, well, I hear the grunt. I see the face. I see the vein popping out like they're doing squats. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not going to walk downstairs because I'm going to be back up here with a wad of toilet paper in my hand in 10 seconds. And I was thinking about the water in the toilet and how low it is and how I feel like when we were growing up, kind of like the refrigerator deaths, you know, kids getting in abandoned refrigerators. I feel like toilets were a thing where it's like, make sure you close the lid of your toilet because 50,000 kids a year die of drowning in toilets. (laughs) And I'm like, if my kids stuck their head in that toilet, their nose wouldn't get wet because of how low the water. And this is an old toilet. We haven't replaced this one yet. This toilet's probably 30 years old. I mean, they'd have to push their faces into it. You can't just fall into the toilet and have right you know, i think the toilet murder is more mouth. of an issue right yeah. or suicide like they'd have to drown themselves right on the wikipedia that. entry for toilet related injuries and deaths 459 children. of course it also depends on the size of your child like let's say your child is Stuart little oh there you go i mm-hmm. think that's who they're talking about mm-hmm. most families yeah oh yeah right. so uh, have you Wait, wait. I want to oh. hear the 459. Oh, uh, let me see here. 459. Uh, this is according to the uh, the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Now, this is, uh, you know, this is old data because it's only between 1996 and 1999. But here's an example. 459 young children drowned in bathtubs, buckets, toilets, spas, hot tubs, and other containers of water. That's it? During that four-year period. Buckets. In three years. Four years. Four. All right. So that's 100 kids... In- Three hundred yeah, million people out of hundred hundred and ten kids a year drown in yeah containers of water in your home, whether that be a toilet, a bucket, a hot tub, or now here's the thing: I want to know how many of them are toilet or bucket drownings as opposed right, to that's like, bathtubs or hot tubs, which are you know essentially a swimming pool for a small child. It's a big jump. It's like if you're talking about vehicular deaths and you're including submarines and cars. Yeah. <laughs> Well, right, right. <laughs> Some people died in a submarine, sure, but probably most of that number is going to be the cars. 300 kids died in a swimming pool. One kid died in a bucket. It's a long story. Wait, wait pool, pools are not included in that, are they? No, no. Hot tubs and spas. Like, in your house, like people who have hot tubs or spas in their, in their home. If you I feel have like you, a hot you tub in your house, you they should your take house. your kids away before you murder them somehow. Exactly. If you have a hot tub in your house... If they didn't die by hot tub, they died by self-inflicted gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. Wait, I, I, I can give you a little more specifics. Bathtubs are about two-thirds of that number. That four-year period occurs when the caregiver is not present. They step out of the room and they get a towel. Buckets. Uh, 50, a towel at the neighbor's house 58 while children, getting coffee. 58 children uh, under the age of five who drowned in five-gallon buckets. 58. Uh, yeah. How many of those were not actually murdered by their dad who wanted to start a new life? It says of all the buckets, the five-gallon size presents the greatest hazard. Right. Uh, More than the 10-gallon? Well, <laughs> <laughs> never seen a 10-gallon bucket. How about the seven-gallon? Where's that? <laughs> why, are they, why are people putting water in five-gallon buckets? Everyone it's knows so it's, it's the best way to kill a child. Everyone <laughs> knows this. Okay. I don't put 
When I was single, I didn't have five gallon buckets with water in them because I knew I would trip and fall and kill myself. <laughs> Why would the, only you time I, the only time I had five gallon buckets run is when I worked for that child killing organization. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, do you know what would really make our new living room pop is a five gallon bucket of water <laughs> right in right in the corner. Well, it's also it also says something about because all of these people, these, the flyover states is where this is happening because sure these are. Yeah, you can guess what kind of homes well, have it's buckets also of water like, or yes. sitting around the house. Because you're, it, what it means is you're outside <laughs> with a kid who is not being watched, and they are of an age where they can fall into a five-gallon bucket <laughs> and not get out. So do you, are, are you ready for toilet drowning? Do you want to know how many toilet? I want to know how many toilets. So in that four-year period from 1996 to 1999, and I don't know if toilet technology has improved since then to the point where it's harder to drown in a toilet, but 16 children under the age of five, usually by falling headfirst into the toilet. Not feet first. (laughs) No, no. They just get their socks wet. They don't die. I feel like in order for a child to die in a toilet or a five-gallon bucket, you need like a Rube Goldberg setup of, uh, what's what are those movies where people die in preposterous ways? It's a series of movies with oh, teenagers. Uh, de- Final you- Destination. Final Destination. Yeah. Yeah. You would need you would need a banana peel near the door of the bathroom. You would need the seat to be uh, have been left up. You would need the child's shampoo to have been accidentally replaced with some silicone sealant or super glue so that everything quite lines up that they slip, fly into the air, and land the toilet. upside down the toilet, yeah. and then glue to the toilet. And that the toilet was like maybe plugged or something, and someone walked away from it after they plugged it up, and so the water was higher than it would normally be. Mm-hmm. And the child had just broken both their arms in at a theme park. Right. This is the thing. I think what is ha- I think older toilets ha- must have more water in them, right? Because they it takes more water to flush. Like my when we replaced a toilet, it takes like a teaspoon of water to get everything mm-hmm. out of there. Maybe old toilets are like old refrigerators and junkyards. Like the the lid is weighs two hundred pounds. <laughs> it's, it's a lid. iron latch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. The the baby locking latch was really that's when when they got rid of that. That's when the deaths really plummeted. So are the girls averse to to trying to wipe themselves at all? Have you have you encouraged them to give it a try? So with my daughters, I could approach them on wiping their own butts, and. And I need to start because here's how it works. I'll present a new idea and they'll say no. And <laughs> I'll, I'll present it in like another week. They'll say no. And then by like the end of the month, they will all of a sudden be doing it on their own uh, as if they had thought of it the entire time. Oh. And so I think to me, what I just don't want to face the I, I don't so you want to trick them into wiping themselves. Like, man, uh, yeah. There needs to be a, like a little reverse psychology. Yeah, and I, the next time, the next time you go up there after they say, "Daddy, wipe me," you go up and you go, "Oh, thank goodness you didn't do it yourself. You're not, you're not old enough for that yet." Right. You know, you're oh. not smart enough for that. You're, not, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a just girl. a girl. Yeah, maybe that's what I need to do. Well, the other thing you could do, Dave, is walk in like the next time they want to be wiped. You walk into the bathroom with like your hands on fire. Be like, "I can't, I can't. You got to do it yourself. Hurry up, hurry up. You got to do it yourself." And like, just, I could, you know, scare them into wiping their own butt. I could cut my hands off. I mean, you know, if you didn't have shame, wouldn't you rather have somebody wipe you than wipe yourself? Yeah, of course. And they don't, and they don't have shame, so why would they want to wipe themselves? Right. They get a spa treatment instead. Exactly. Like, that's all a spa treatment is. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is like the grown-up version of someone wiping your butt for you really well for like right. an hour. Hey folks, you already shop on Amazon. Why not put those dollars to work keeping this show on the air? Do it by using the Amazon portal on the support page at paternitypodcast.com. When you want to buy something on Amazon, go to paternitypodcast.com, click on support the show. There you'll see an Amazon box, and when you click on that, Amazon opens up. You buy what you're going to buy anyway. You don't sign up for anything. You don't pay extra. You don't make code words and passwords to add to your long list of passwords. You just shop on Amazon. Amazon knows you came through our website, and they send us some of their profits, and we use that to keep this show on the air. Dave, I hear you bought something on Amazon, buddy. Yeah, I bought a toothbrush. Woo! What kind of toothbrush? Finally. 
A fancy high tech toothbrush? It's okay. So Philips makes the Sonicare toothbrush, right? Hmm. And over the years, I've bought two of their Essence Sonic electric toothbrushes. They're like $100. The Essence ones are for black people, right? Yeah, they're for black people. Uh, Philips Sonicare. I got the Philips Sonicare 2 series. Your your teeth feel like glass. Not broken glass. Is the 1 series, what is the... What do you call it? What are the bells and whistles on the one that makes it more expensive? Why is it I was looking it up, and I couldn't. There's no bells and whistles on any of these. They just do. They just brush your teeth, and then every 30 seconds, they do this buzz thing that tells you to stop brushing that row of teeth. What? How does it know? That's the sonic part. It's, it's not just like the time. It's just a fast time. moving hedgehog on your that yeah. cleans your teeth for you. It's it's quartz technology, man. Mm. Um, like in the 50s. So I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't prescribe to, you know, I don't uh, claim to know how it works, but it works. And yeah, I feel like I have the teeth of a 35-year-old. Do you follow the sonic commands? Like when it tells you to stop, you move, move along? Yeah, no matter what I've been doing. If I've been talking to my wife for 30 seconds, I just skip that part of my teeth. Um, <laughs> I find that it's not enough time. Like it makes me brush my teeth for like five minutes because I'm like, okay, I feel like I skimped on the top front row of my teeth. So now I'm going to, when it beeps and turns off, because it turns itself off, I'm going to turn it on again, and then I'm going to get all the parts of the inside of my head that I didn't get. Because it doesn't give you time to get like the roof of your mouth and your tongue and your deep inside your esophagus. Like You you know what I mean? Like it doesn't give you any time to do that. You're going to scrub off your gums. You're going to scrub off your fillings. The inside of your mouth is going to look like a museum skeleton. <laughs> right. It gives you, yeah, it absolutely gives you no time to get inside the cavities to, to scrub the inside <laughs> of your molars. <laughs> I, you know, they say you should use an electric toothbrush. I think the last electric toothbrush I had was shaped like something from G.I. Joe. Uh, literally, I had like the electronic toothbrush battle station or whatever that was. Uh, but they say you should use electronic toothbrushes, but they always, I don't know, feel weird about having batteries that close to water. Well, they're not batteries. They're, well, the whole thing's a battery now. Plugs in. Right. You know, you know that's the thing. It doesn't plug in. <laughs> it's going to it take plugs. this over here into the shower. <laughs> it's like Rodney Dangerfield uh, used to say. It's like my parents hated me. My two toys for the bathtub were a toaster and an iron. Um, <laughs> it's great because i think toothbrushes from when we were kids yes you had to put batteries in them and they were made to erase your gums Mm -hmm. and these are soft bristles that are made to keep the gums you have (laughs) that's what i had Um, was the flesh buster 5000 (laughs) well i look like if you look at the inside of my mouth it just looks like a skeleton like there's no gums Mm -hmm. left you know what i mean (laughs) it's just this brush till there's no more pink Right, <laughs> David, you've recharged it three times. You've got to go to work. I know, but I can still see the roof of my mouth. There's a little meat back there. I'm gonna. Get... <laughs> I, I cannot see my sinuses yet by looking into my mouth. Um, We're sitting so... on the sink. Oh, that's my uvula. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's great. I love it because I also. It stands upright, so I'm not laying down this filthy. Because toothbrushes are just gross. They're just gross. Like they wear out. They're probably one of the grossest things we keep in our bathrooms. You would right. think that by now there'd be something that you could. I don't know. I, and I think they do have toothbrush sterilizers, but something that you put it in when you're done brushing that so it's sterilized the next time you pick it up. Yeah, sure it should be upside down in a blue. You know, like at the barber. Yeah, where they put the combs in the barbicide, right? They should just be put barbicide. That liquid that kill, for killing barbers? Right. You committed barbercide. You're going Go, to jail. Couple drops of this on a barber, and your barber problem will be all set. <laughs> right, toxicology reports don't even show it. It's like killing a junkie. It's super easy. <laughs> no one suspects a thing. Wow, of course he died of barbicide. He, uh, he worked with that chemical all the time. If you like the paternity test, please help us tell other people about it. You can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. It's a quick and easy way to improve our iTunes ratings and help new listeners find us. And we also want to thank Podbean, 
uh, for once again naming us the top 10 kids and family podcasts worldwide. If you're not listening to the show at this point, I don't know how you can even call yourself a parent or even part of a family. Read our monthly column, Viva Daddy, in Chicago Parent Magazine and the Paternity Test blog every week at chicagoparent.com. And we have a very special announcement for our New York listeners. In February, you'll also be able to read Viva Daddy in the New York Parenting Family of Magazines. That's Manhattan Family, Bronx Riverdale Family, Brooklyn Family, Queens Family, and Staten Island Family. Hey, I'm parenting here. And now it's time for Hey, Remember the Past? That's where we look back in time when the screen's all cloudy. So this show, we record this and then release it on a lag. So it's tough for us to talk about current events because they are not current when when the show drops. Hey, remember when the Middle East was in crisis? That's crazy. (laughs) Gosh, you guys, that's so dated. I know. You please do something evergreen for once. Uh, I went this weekend, which would have been 17 weekends ago, if you're listening, to Empirical Brewing Company to the tap room, and they had Bowie night. Oh. Uh, this was a few nights after Bowie died. And I'm, I can't... That's a, that's a strange coincidence. It is. It's weird. Uh, yeah, they really felt kind of guilty about it. Like, they felt like it really looked like a cash-in afterwards. Uh, Wait, they, so it was, it was a coincidence? No, it was not a coincidence. They, oh, okay. they, have a, they, they can do a quick turnaround on... Um, they'll do one firkin, which is like five gallons of watch out for the bucket of uh, uh, a special beer that they'll brew for an occasion. So they already had a British mild beer um, and they put in some galaxy hops and then they called it Bowie's in space. So they, they ran labyrinth on all the TVs and they played Bowie music all night and they had this special Bowie beer. And I'm not going to pretend I can quote chapter and verse from every Bowie album, but I would say I'm a pretty big Bowie fan and always have been like, I was really just fascinated by him as a kid. And you know, he's had a, a million different incarnations over the course of our lives. Like we were in college when we started doing the like Trent Reznor scary industrial music. So we've had, we've had a few different waves of Bowie in our own lives, even though we're Xers and not boomers. Right. But watching labyrinth, this is not a segment about Bowie. This is a segment about watching labyrinth and like all eighties things, it's supposed to be for kids, but it's got things that just shouldn't be for kids and would make you feel weird to show your kids now. Right. I would never, let my kids watch that at the age I watched it. Scary, weird, sexual stuff. I never saw it. I, I, Ooh. all I know is that what's her name is in it. What's her name? Jennifer. Jennifer Conley. Oh my god! Like she is just. Well, she's perfection. like fifteen in this. Oh, well, that's and creepy. so she's pre 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 perfection. And Bowie's thirty nine in this. So this, <laughs> you know, Bowie's our age. She's fifteen. And there's a dream sequence where like she seems to be somehow attracted to. It. They're playing some weird sexual cat and mouse game in this children's movie about puppets that pee and and it's scary just like all the other puppet movies from that era dark right. crystal is even scarier labyrinth is probably even scarier and then you got things like gremlins that invented pg-13 ghostbusters that has totally inappropriate sexual things and terrifying things how follow that talk- bird follow the bird that bird has all that nudity and all that there's those condoms <laughs> that scene with all the condoms yeah muppets take manhattan yep <laughs> so I was thinking about the setups a little long, but I, I, I want to have the discussion. Like everybody's bemoaning the way millennials are incapable, emotional cripples and babies. Right. And to some degree, it's absolutely true. Like my college students are reasonably worthless human beings who can't function. We bemoan that. And I wonder if our more rough and tumble youth made us less soft, but at the same time, as a father now, I understand why kids are turning into big pusses, and I don't want to give my child, I don't want to show my kid things that will traumatize her every once in a while so that she'll have a thick skin. I agree with this. You see your grandparents who were raised during the Depression and fought in World War II, and then your parents who lived through the 60s and assassinations and Vietnam, Mm-hmm. And then us, who had just a lot of very special episodes on TV and lived with Reagan for eight years. Right. Our fears weren't founded, but they were constant. Like satanic were... panic, kidnapping, right. the Cold Russians. War. Yeah, we had no reason to feel those things, but we had parents was, who had lived fear through was enough everywhere. Who, yes. beat, who beat fear into us mm-hmm. uh, and allowed for it to be on television. Yes. And, but then we, coming into our adolescence and young adulthood, um, still didn't have a war and still, and then went into the nineties with the greatest economy ever 
Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a second, our parents are full of crap. Life is beautiful. And I then we started having once. <laughs> right, right. And then started having kids saying, don't worry about anything. Everything's great. And mm-hmm. You should be nice to everybody, even if they stab you in the chest. Yeah, it's really gone <laughs> full reversal from, from, from fear-mongering to trying to shelter you from any fear of anything. Mm-hmm. And then you're just oblivious. But I heard something on the radio yesterday, a, 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 you know, like a radio show on NPR about how this whole fear of like your kids getting kidnapped that we remember in the 80s so much actually started with the Lindbergh baby. Like that's what started America's fear with your babies being kidnapped. Oh, interesting. I never thought about that. And because certainly the How to Raise an Adult book, like they're ta- they're, they blame a lot of it on the Adam Walsh story mm-hmm. that we talk about a lot and John Walsh. But yeah, I suppose... That's the first big, a huge high profile. And that's when, like, devices started to be manufactured just for keeping your kids safe or, or, you know, for for monitoring your your kids and keeping them from being stolen from you at night. And then that goes into the, you know, it's 10 p.m., do you know where your children are? Stuff like that. Oh, sure. Um, Who who does on the media uh, on the weekends? It's, uh, what's her name on NPR? I can't think of her name, but she wrote a book, uh, a graphic novel, and it basically gives a history of the media from, you know, Greeks to now. Mm-hmm. And it talks about, there's a section that talks about that very thing in the 80s with the children being abducted. And it, and it talks about it in reference to the number 50,000 and how 50,000 in many cases in, in the 80s and elsewhere was used by media. Politicians you know, quotes, and- Right, quotes were taken from people and used in the media to suggest that 50,000 of this happens every year, 50,000 of that happens every year because it's just a number that gets people's attention, not a number that's factual. Brooke Gladstone. Brooke Gladstone, thank you, on the media. Uh, and also that the numbers for kidnapping, uh, didn't that took into account everything. So that meant right. like if there was a litigious divorce, and everybody was getting a divorce in the 70s and 80s, right? And like... Mom couldn't find kid because dad took him somewhere or moved with him or kidnapped him. But they counted that in the number. So it wasn't 50,000 kids got kidnapped in a Sears by a serial killer, uh, which is what we thought it was. That like every, like Dave always says, nine out of every five children was kidnapped in the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was a constant. There was a constant presence. And obviously, because I felt it, and we've talked about it as uh, in years passing, in, mm-hmm. in college and, and after, we'd talk about how it's just there was this presence of the and she, Oh my God, Gladstone writes about it in her book, right? This last night we were watching the, we were watching Annie with Viva. Professor Foster really wanted to show her Annie. Oh, yes. And I suggested that we show the like 10 years ago Disney televised Annie that's closer to the stage show, but she really wanted to watch the, the 1982 one that we grew up with. So we were watching it. And Viva was disturbed by the no- notion of an orphanage. Right, mm-hmm. which was omnipresent in the 20s and 30s and 40s. Like the right. idea of orphanages, like all your babes in arms and your little orphan Annie. Like, and maybe, the, I mean, there's probably a lot of orphans at the time. Uh, we don't think of orphanages now. I think and, about them orphan. Ooh, yeah, orphan frequently or orphan having no parents. <laughs> and, <laughs> the, and, you know, when, we, when you try and go adopt a kid, they're like, get in line, pal, and also give us all your money. And you get the impression in the 30s there was definitely a surplus of urchins, right? Uh, yeah. So, so Viva's scarred by just the notion of orphans because it's the first time she's ever heard of that. So she's just sitting there watching the movie thinking people's parents both die, people's parents both – like that's just playing on a loop in her head for two hours. Uh, then there's weird racism in it because there's Punjab and uh, Asp mm-hmm. uh, and they do some, some stuff. And, uh, and, you know, and that's not a very scary movie. It's Annie for God's sake. But it made me think, okay, do I show her Labyrinth? Do I show her Never Ending Story? Do I wait? Do I never show it? But she is already getting, like Melissa said, she saw Annie in the theater at four. And some of my yes. buddies like saw Star Wars in the theater at four. And I don't know, does there need to be a steady dose of being disturbed as a child? Or is some fear good? Certainly HBO, like cable started when we were kids. And yeah. kids were a little less supervised. So I think a lot of times you turned on the TV and Freddie was on it chopping somebody up. And now you can like get around your life and never see accidentally see somebody get chopped up until you get to unsupervised internet. And then I can't imagine how maybe that makes up for it. (laughs) Well, that's a good point. I mean, you talk about exposure. Having said that though, what they are being fed on the internet is 
they're being fed the media of 2016. They're not being fed, you know, Oliver, you know, they're not being fed RoboCop or special episodes of different strokes to talk about rape that we were fed. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, kids are, I feel like a lot less worldly. I don't think they're not certainly not better than kids of the eighties or, or any other generation. I just think they're very much less, there's, there's not a street smartness to them. I, I find to the kids now. I'm not saying that about kids at my high school. I'm saying kids, kids these days, <laughs> kids these days, right? Uh, but yeah, they're ve- we very much protect our children. It's interesting that you say about the adoption thing. And the, uh, my daughters were like uh, Cecilia asked. We we're in the car, and she said, "Daddy, uh, are there children w- without parents?" And you know, I don't know where that came from, but it came from somewhere, and it might have come from just her ruminating about parents. I guess she's four. But kids don't – thinking is not something that considering ideas doesn't really happen for a couple more years. You know what I mean? In that, in that sense, in, that, in how we think about cognitive development. So mm-hmm. it's really – I think it's more reactionary, which means she saw something, right? And, you know, explained it in the most sanitized terms. And I could have said, yeah – some people's parents die or don't love them and they give them away or they have the baby when they're 16. <laughs> but I just, I, and I said, I used the word agency. I didn't even say orphanage because I was so, not that the word orphanage has any meaning to them, has no meaning to them whatsoever, right? An orphanage. Like, because now instead of being afraid of the word orphanage, they're going to be afraid of the word agency. <laughs> and agency is everywhere. We're going to go to the real estate agency. No! I don't want to I go to the real estate to, agency. I don't want Why? you two to die. Yeah, I don't want to have to scrub the floors. <laughs> I, I explained. I said there is an agency that takes uh, men and women who don't have children and puts them with children who don't have mommies and daddies, and that agency brings them together, and that way all children get to have – and I lied. I'm like, all children get to then have parents. Oh, nice. So which really – it, it you, you know. You should have just told her that – uh, yes, there are children without parents, uh, sweetie. Those are the those are the children who never learn to wipe their own butt. They never <laughs> learn to wipe their own butts, and that's why I'm here. And I, I know, but I should have just turned on Annie and said, "Just watch this video; you'll understand." <laughs> and she would have understood it. She would have she would have understood it. She would have understood it, but she would have understood it with singing and dancing, as opposed to my terrifying misuse of a synonym. Right? See, the Adam Walsh story would have had singing and dancing. We could have learned about kidnapping without being I would have been so less scared of my mm-hmm. childhood if only there had been a few uh, upbeat numbers. Yeah, a couple more production numbers in the day. <laughs> yeah, after. just an 11 o'clock. So <laughs> yeah, just to get people on their feet. <laughs> it would have been so less, so less sad. <laughs> Social media isn't just for 10,000 characters. It's also for us. Like our page on Facebook, share our posts, and follow us on Pinterest, on Instagram at The Paternity Test, and on Twitter at The Dad Test. I'm so glad that Twitter is going from 140 characters to 10,000 so that there's one more platform where people we barely knew in high school can drone on and on about how unhappy they are in their marriage. Is this happening? I didn't know this. They announced it. It could have been a fake announcement to see what people would do. But they said, and you might have to pay extra to get the, you know, it might be like Twitter Pro gets you more than 140 calories. I keep saying calories, but they want you to be able to write a whole essay on Twitter if you're so inclined. Well, that's interesting. So the people who can afford to have a voice get to have a voice. I like that. Oh, wow. When you put it that way, holy smokes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I guess it all has to come to that, right? Like it all, it kind of, that's the direction we go in eventually Mm -hmm. with everything like this. I don't know. I feel like Twitter's dead. I don't. No kid, no high school kid uses Twitter that I've ever met. No, it um, collapsed under its own weight. Like it collapsed under the weight of overuse and spam, and you know. Well, that's what happened to people. Facebook. I mean, all the kids mm-hmm. got off of Facebook as soon as it became widely used, and all your parents got on it. And now uh, all their parents are starting to get on Twitter as well. And now they're getting out of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're, now on, they're on Instagram. On Instagram. Isn't it funny? Snapchat. It, Parents in the 60s wanted kids to not listen to rock and roll. All they would have had to done is gone out and said, hey, Sally, check out what daddy bought. I got a new Beatles record. And mm-hmm. no kids would have listened to the Beatles. 
and there Eagles would be no gross. rock and roll. I'm going to turn on Lawrence Welk. Yeah, there would have been a, a, an instant backlash. Mm-hmm. They never would have made it to another Ed Sullivan appearance. <laughs> That's um, true, and I, I really think that is true. If you're Snapchat or or uh, Instagram, you should really try to prevent your own demise by creating some sort of cul-de-sac for olds. Like you come up with Snapchat old or Instagram <laughs> senior, and just no, sure that's a really good point. Over there. Like, yeah, this is a really good point. Instagram for adults, or mm-hmm. this is you know this is for people who just take pictures of food and sunsets. Yeah, create different versions. You know, Instagram sunset, Instagram selfie. Send us a question or a comment for the paternity test mailbag. Just email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at our phone number, 657-BAD-DADS. And now it's time for Health Beat. That's our single-payer comedy delivery system. Ah, uh, I just got to sign up on our website. Yeah. <laughs> it's that easy. It's that mm-hmm. easy. And it's all free. Paternitypodcasthealth.org. Uh, <laughs> dot goes slash organs uh so i feel like i've not to you know continue to talk about my 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 dad passing away but i feel like it's kind of given me a little scared straight thing and and not that there was anything that he could have done about his health i mean he had you know he had skin cancer he grew up in an era where they just did not use sunscreen really i mean if anything they put oil to get more sun on their body right Right. you know what i mean so um it's not like he died from his vices you know if he would have had like lung cancer or i don't know his liver fail or something i would say well if he would have not smoked for you know 40 years or something but which he did it just did not yeah that's not that's not what killed him sure didn't help anyway so i've become a little more concerned about my health i mean i'm coming up i've turned 39 on tuesday you know, there's a couple things I wanted to check out. Obviously, the first thing is my skin because I'm I, skin cancer. Is something that if your if your parent dies from, you want to check it out. You know, but anyway, so I mean, I think at this point, I mean, your your dad just passed young, and you're pushing forty. If those two things combined don't get you to go to a couple extra doctor's appointments, you're a monster. Yeah, you know, you're not paranoid because you you're like, let me take care of some things. I think that this is a perfectly healthy reaction to circumstances yeah. at the moment. So one of the things that I I looked at is I've been having these these headaches lately and and uh and oh, they're 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 definitely like a like a tension headache kind of thing or like something that has to do with muscular things in my neck. I have something going on. I ended up at a chiropractor. Now, I don't know how you guys feel about chiropractors, if you've been to one, if you believe in them, if you think they're witch doctors. Dave, what do you think of chiropractors? Dave, your dad is one, so I'm assuming that you you uh believe in them. Are we allowed to say that? I yeah, you can say <laughs> that. Um, there's no yeah, there's no uh, agency. <laughs> if my daughters knew there was an agency, they'd freak out. Yeah, I have you ever gotten uh, my, a chiropractor? My dad treatment? is the only chiropractor I've ever been to. <laughs> yeah. So I love my dad, and my dad always fixed my back. Sure. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, I've never been to another chiropractor. I I guess I look at him like any doctor. But I think they're definitely a an absolute necessary part of of the medical community. Well, I got an exam and I got x x rays and the, you know there was a lot of a couple different things they pointed out which made sense. I mean, nothing nothing came off as like I was getting sold a used car, you know, or at a mattress store or something like that. I felt like uh, you know everything made sense. My doctor has kind of shrugged off going to the chiropractor once before, so I wanted to go see him and kind of follow up and say this is what they think I should do. They're recommending this like 12 weeks, two visits a week to kind of fix my problems. Um, see, listen to, listen to the groan. Uh, as a resident skeptic, uh, that just that tells me. Uh, they probably recommend up this. an income stream. They're like, oh, your mystical chakras are out of alignment. I can say that I can say that that is how it works, though. I mean, yeah, you uh, need to have from my a, experience and, it, you know, having talked to. Yeah. Dozens and dozens of people in my childhood who my father helped. I mean, it, if you hurt your back at works. work yeah. and you go to the doctor, he's going to send you to twelve weeks of physical therapy. Exactly. Until your right. back is better, right? So this is the same right. thing. Only they're covering. And actually, I have to say, my doctor, who I believe to be skeptical, I had asked him before. I said, "Should I go see a chiropractor? I'm having these back problems." And this is a back problem, not like a head. This is this is a head and neck thing. Um, and and he was just like just 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 strengthen your core, uh, you know that's all you really need to do right now. And so I took that as <laughs> him saying, "Eat fatty foods, eat fatty foods, get hardened fat in your core." 
Yes. Your problem is your molten core. You need that gut to be big. <laughs> <laughs> You're too soft well, in the middle. You need to harden that up. gut. You need yeah. more beer and bacon. Um, the, the treatment at the chiropractor, what they're recommending, is pretty much everything that they do there. So it's it's a combination of adjustments, your traditional adjustments, massage therapy, these exercises, these uh, muscle stimulation treatments, everything. And and the idea is what's happening in my neck is that one, I have I have you know what they always say is you have a vertebrae. Well, one of my vertebrae is turned, and that's causing tension on one side of my head. That's causing these headaches that that radiate around to the back of my eyes, which is hap- which is happening. I took all this t- to my doctor, and I said this is what they're saying is happening. And he, he he thought about it a little bit, and he goes, well, you know what? I have to say, in this instance, I think that th- I think this makes sense. I and, have noticed that all your vertebrae are turned in different directions, and your eyes are radiating. Yes. <laughs> so he said, you know, he's like, I, I'm not going to tell you to go do it because this is the insurance covers a portion of it, but not all of it. When you're going to mm. when you're going to see a doctor twice a week for 12 weeks, it's going to cost you some money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like your insurance doesn't go, oh yeah, we got that. Just the lunch of Portillo's that you're going to have on your way to the doctor and back to work. <laughs> That's going to be about 25 bucks a day just for that. See, now you got me thinking. I See, I did not schedule any good restaurants in between, mm. in between the chiropractor and work. So now I may have You don't to even switch. have to make... Where you live, you don't even have to make a schedule. At least you can go to a Carl's Jr. or something. <laughs> <laughs> see, this is your problem, Todd. You're malnourished. You're not thinking enough about your, your meals. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went to the doctor, and, and he, he, he said, so I think I'm going to do it. So I'm going to try this out for, because I'm having these. They are, I'd call them, I'd call them fairly regular headaches, right? Once, <laughs> twice a week I'm having these headaches that, that are painful, and they start from the back of my neck. They radiate to the behind my eyes. and I'd and, call them seizures. Yeah, I guess you could call them seizures. Sure. I black out. I wake up in a different place. I don't know where, who my kids are, but, yeah, I, I, yeah they're headaches. <laughs> um, Covered in blood that's not mine. Pants are all shredded. <laughs> The other, uh, the the other, so I'll keep you updated on the on the chiropractic care and see how it goes, and uh, if I end up in a wheelchair and can't move my leg, <laughs> I, it may not work for you, but I fully believe in it. I 100 yeah. believe in it. In but I do, I do believe that you know I I need to overall take my health a little more seriously. So I, I'm doing this thing, and I'm going to use it. If I'm going to spend 12 weeks, and they're going to give me these exercises and try to fix you know issues with my neck and back, so that I don't get these headaches, and that I'm overall healthier as a person mm-hmm. i want to well know, and you have a back problem so going to a chiropractor who fixes backs because you have a back problem is not the same as going to a psychic who can solve a problem that they invented for you right yeah. i mean you have a back problem so the other thing i don't know if you remember around an episode a while back might have been on the old podcast we talked about how my dad would make fun of i'd go to his house and he had, they had a pool in their backyard i had this mole on my back that was huge <laughs> and my dad would say uh you go, hey, Todd, what's your favorite band, Nippleback? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> disgusting both because of the Skin Legion and all beca- also because it references Nickelback. Right. Yeah, on multiple fronts. So uh, he shamed me into finally getting uh, my doctor to cut it off. Only he did it in like a medieval way. <laughs> I'm going to describe to you. He had legions, like was it a, a public surgery? Yeah, he took or? me out into the town square. <laughs> Put your head and hands through a thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, he had a uh, he had like a, a a med student with him when I went to go uh, see him about the chiropractor stuff, and I said, "Look, uh, so I said I said I, last time I asked him about this mole, he touched, he kind of he goes he goes ah oh, that's no that's nothing, you know you don't have to worry about it, but that wasn't why I asked him about it. I was asking him about it because I don't I'm embarrassed by it." Sure. It's a very large, like larger than a pencil eraser, like one of those carnival pencils that you get, like the oh, oversized no. pencil eraser. <laughs> so it's a, oh, it's a large raise. I've never seen a carnival pencil eraser, so I'm picturing something like the size of a baseball. Maybe not a baseball. No, you're thinking of a circus pencil eraser. Carnival's like somewhere between a regular pencil and the one you're thinking of. Oh, yeah. right. It's not a state <laughs> fair. It's a county fair pencil. That's sure. right. The kind that just comes to town, you know, for a couple of days in right. the summer. Mm-hmm. Somehow it's bigger, it's bigger than a street be. fair, uh, but smaller than the state <laughs> fair. Yeah. Yes. No, it's not a school fair. No. Yeah, it's not just like a garage sale in the church basement. This is, has at least a pie eating contest. It's not like a it's not a Girl Scout bake sale at a Walmart. But it's <laughs> no. No. but it's not a fundraiser to help you know <laughs> make raise money for people who lost their home in, home in a tornado. That's right. 
Okay. I mean, it's probably bigger than a pencil eraser that you get where there's a local DJ in a dunk tank, but smaller than when, like, you know, uh, <laughs> John Cougar Mellencamp's going to come in and do a song for you. Right. It's smaller than the, the 9-11 tribute that uh, <laughs> that Paul McCartney wrote that song Freedom for, uh-huh. <laughs> but it's a little bigger than the Katrina Telephone. Yeah, I'd say I'd say greater than Neil Young, smaller than Bob Geldof. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow! Well, uh, you know, so I wanted it gone, and uh, and so I said, look, I, I know last time you said that this is, I know it's completely elective, it's not medically necessary, but I really want to get this mole off my back because every time I, you know, we spend all summer at the water park with my kids, I. I'd, I'd like to not have this. I could put a T-shirt on, and I see it. You know how you get like, oh, God, this is so gross. <laughs> you know how, like, you know, when it's cold out and you have a T-shirt on and you can see, like, you know, your nipples? It's like that, but on my back. Oh. You know, I put a T-shirt on, and I kind of look over, and I see this, like, protruding thing through my T-shirt. I'm like, well, this is embarrassing. He'd stop to look at something in Target, and all of a sudden he'd find a hippie seven-year-old nursing on his back. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes... And I just had this conversation with him, you know, about the chiropractor, and I was sick. That I think he felt sorry for me. He goes, you know what? He's going to take it off right now, and I'm not even going to charge you for it. Not even going to give you anesthetic. Well, he didn't. do you a favor. I'm just going to whack this with a jackknife. Well, I think he wanted to show off to his med student this technique. So he put, <laughs> His butterfly knife skills. He, <laughs> <laughs> he comes in. Yeah, he comes in with this red butterfly knife from 1986 <laughs> and, a, and a ninja star. I think we're going to take care of this right now. Did he cut through a tin can first? <laughs> yes. And then, then he show a, how then easily he sliced a tomato. Flesh? And then he said, now this is going to get now next is the mole. So he comes out with this, you know, this kit of tools. That's uh, it's a, a, a clamp, a scalpel and something else, some kind of forceps or something. And he goes, uh, kind of slowly lay out in front of the enemy agent that you have taped to yep. a chair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was just about to ask me for, uh, for my, for state secrets. <laughs> He says, look, I'm not, he's like, there's no point in giving you anesthetic. You're going to feel a pinch no matter what. He goes, you're just going to have to kind of grit your teeth. I go, uh, okay. So he, I, what he does, he takes the clamp. And he like, so he got the, he got, gets the clamp and he, he goes, I'm just going to clamp the base of the mole. So I think he kind of pulls it, like uses a fork, grabs it and pulls it out a little bit so he gets to the base and he just clamps down with these clamps <laughs> to full like clampage. Like not just, I'm going to tighten it up. He goes till there's, he crushes it, right? He crushes the base of it, and I feel the pinch, and I'm like, oh, boy, it's a little bit of a pinch. I can handle it. It wasn't, you know, I didn't like it. Nothing audible came out of me, and uh, he just lets it sit there. He goes, now, he goes, he goes it's going to start. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stop, you know, you're going to stop feeling that pinch in about 30 seconds or so, and that's I'm cutting off the blood supply. I'm crushing the nerve that's in there, <laughs> and he's talking to the med student, showing anything, and then he just takes – the scalpel and slices it right off and i feel another little pinch and then he goes and then when he releases the clamp you hear the med student like oh my gosh no blood and so he did it in a way that there was it didn't bleed it was it just seemed very uh, it seemed very off book to me like there should have been some kind of uh, i think at least at the very least i do know that i felt him wipe something cold on it so i know at least he sterilized it (laughs) but (laughs) Uh, He's the maverick of mole removal. I felt like there sh- it was. I felt like there should have been some kind of medication involved or as anesthetic, but he did it without it, and it was uh, effective. And it's gone. I have. Uh, I'm no longer a fan of Nippleback. He's the he's the bat fleck of uh, dermatologists. <laughs> Tell me, Todd, do your moles bleed? <laughs> They're not going to. <laughs> so now, when you put T-shirts on, is there a big red nipple, which looks more like a nipple <laughs> than the the brown one that used to be yeah. on your back? Yeah, the nipple's gone, but now I just have areola. Right. No, it's uh, I'm a new man. It's the start oh. of a new me. You and know? you're yeah. five pounds lighter. Yeah. <laughs> I've now I just weight. walk to one side now. <laughs> Lean to one side and he walks. Now the chiropractor will fix that. Yeah. <laughs> now that's probably going to fix your problem. That's probably why your vertebrae was twisted. Mm-hmm. From the, from the weight of that mole that was the size of something that would come out of someone and tell someone to get to Mars. Well, folks, it's time for another episode of the Paternity Test to turn on the antique space heater near the Keepsake Newspapers. Follow us on Twitter at the Dad Test. Like us on Facebook and visit our website, paternitypodcast.com, or email us at paternitypodcast@gmail.com. 
Catch us Tuesdays at ChicagoParent.com and all month at Chicago Parent Magazine and the New York Parenting Magazines. And call our voicemail, 657-BAD-DADS, and shame your friends about not listening to the show. Consider a donation to the show via our PayPal link at paternitypodcast.com. All right, everybody, remember, be kind when you're wiping your four-year-old's butt now, because someday they'll be doing it to you. And until next time, best of luck passing the paternity test. (laughs) 